what I was going to say. Okay, I shaved my legs for you. And I don't know why, because I wore pants, but I just wanted, oh man, the men is busted in today. But I just wanted to tell you that because you're special, because I don't do that for just anybody. So what happens in quarantine stays in quarantine, right? So got to dress up a little bit. Now, I I wanted to wear yellow to commemorate the occasion, but it turns out yellow is not in my color wheel. Okay, some of you know what a color wheel is. This was new to me, but fashion is not my thing. So I usually can't tell. And yellow is actually my favorite color. So I used to wear yellow a lot until a friend of mine in ministry, she, as a favor to me, as a gift, she said she would do the color analysis. And there's a color wheel, and apparently there's certain things that look better on you than others. And turns out I shouldn't have been wearing yellow, which makes sense because when people come up to you and say, are you feeling okay? You look pale. That's really bad when you feel okay. So that makes sense now. So I didn't wear yellow, but I do love yellow, and I love lemons, especially if it's in lemon icebox pie. That's my favorite. Lemon bars, lemon poppy seed muffins, lemon chills. Remember lemon chills at the fair and and Six Flags, the little frozen treats? I love anything lemon, but as a child, I didn't love anything lemon. As a child, you could not convince me that a lemon dessert was sweet. Chocolate is sweet. Suckers were sweet. Vanilla, caramel, or caramel, depending on where you're from, are sweet. But lemons always had that little tang, that little bitterness that got you on the back of the tongue. So I didn't like lemon as a child, but I have learned to love lemon as long as somebody else bakes it for me because I, you know, I dabble a little bit in the kitchen, but I don't bake. So somebody else, or I can buy it at a bakery and that's good too. But I don't think I've ever zested a lemon in my life. Um, but I love that word. And so I was so excited when we decided on a theme and we were going to talk about the zest. And so I was thinking about it and I was praying about it. And I thought, you know, this is going to be kind of difficult because the zest of the lemon is actually the peel. And I love watching those cooking shows with the judges and where they're cooking things. And the funny thing is the judges always know when the chefs leave out the zest. They'll eat it and say, mm, this would really be better with some citrus, you know, or some, some zest. Because that one thing, that one key ingredient brings out the best in everything else. So zest is really a good thing. And it's really a fun word to say. I was thinking about that. We should use that more often. If someone comes up to ask us how we're feeling, we should say, I'm feeling very zesty. Thank you. Is that good? Let's try that. Somebody asked you that this week, I'm feeling zesty. It's a fun word to say. But honestly, those who know me know that I like to lay it out on the table right from the beginning 
no holding back. So let me just share with you that if I was going to choose a word for how I've been feeling lately, zesty would not be it. Probably more like bitter. Because I'm being transparent with you and frustration is a problem with me. God is working on me with frustration. It's a work in progress, but I'm getting there. Or maybe I might describe myself as sour. Or maybe a little bland, but definitely not zesty. Because when circumstances begin to pile on and pile on and pile on, we forget that one key ingredient that makes everything else work together into something good. And the more those circumstances pile on, we realize that we've left out that key portion that's going to make all our ingredients sing. So I have good news for us tonight. If we have left out that key portion lately, God's word says that he wants to be our portion. He wants to be our portion tonight. So we can rejoice knowing that God wants to be our portion, but in order to find out how we do this, how do we live with God as our portion? How do we allow him to be that key ingredient in our lives? We're going to look at a passage of scripture, and we're going to start with a key verse. I always like starting with a key verse, and our key verse tonight is Psalm 73 and 26. So if you want to write that down, Psalm 73 and 26 it says this, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So let me ask you, what word describes what you've been feeling lately? You don't have to tell me out loud. But think about that for a minute. Has everything you've been seeing going on in the world today left you feeling a little bit discouraged? We're not supposed to admit that because, you know, we're Christians. But sometimes we need to be honest with ourselves. Has one thing after another happening and we're in quarantine and we've got all these unknowns and things that just overwhelm us? Have you felt overwhelmed at all lately? Are situations in your own life that are beyond your control causing you to worry or have any anxiety? Are there things that you know you should be trusting God for, but maybe you're feeling a little hopeless because the situation just doesn't seem like it's ever going to get any better? If any of those describe you this morning, or this evening, excuse me. If any of those things describe you, then God is going to be your portion today. When we get finished tonight, we're going to leave here with new revelation that will show us how to allow God to be those things that we need him to be. So I want you to open your hearts to what God has to say. 
And we're going to start with a prayer. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning to 1 Samuel chapter 1. So you can be turning there too. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just lift this message up to you today. Lord God, we ask you to come into our hearts. Speak to us, Lord God, through your word. Show us what it is you want us to see. Reveal it to us, Lord. We are listening, Heavenly Father, and we are ready to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Samuel chapter 1 talks about a woman named Hannah. And most of you are probably familiar with Hannah. So we're going to discover some new things from Hannah's life tonight. And we're going to start reading in verse 2. Hannah was married to a man named Elkanah. And verse 2 starts with he, and that is Elkanah. Verse 2 says this. He, meaning Elkanah, had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. And we're going to pause there. Because right there at the beginning of Hannah's story, we learn the first thing about God being our portion. And that is this. God wants to be our portion when we feel like we don't have enough. When we feel like we don't have enough. Now, we look at Hannah's story and we remember it as the woman who wanted the baby so badly more than anything else. And we get inspired by that story because we know that God likes to bless us and give us those things that we pray for and that we ask for. But if we're not careful, we'll miss an important detail in that story because it wasn't about Hannah wanting more or wanting something that she didn't have. It was about something missing. It was about a void. Now, how do we know that? Because Her husband tried to fix it by giving her a double portion, which that's also spiritual for us. That's a spiritual implication because it shows us that God wants to bless us and give us a double portion. But when Elkanah gave Hannah that double portion, did it fix it for her? Did it fill the void? No. Now, my husband likes to fix things for me, too. He likes to try because he doesn't like to see me sad. So he'll tell these really corny jokes, which is just so sweet. But sometimes you just want to say, honey, don't try to fix it. Don't try to fix it because I just want to process it or I want him to listen. But when we have that void, we can have a tendency to let our hardship draw us into the void. But if we instead draw closer to God, then he supernaturally becomes the portion that we need to fill that void, even when we don't know what it is. So Hannah needed to discover the portion that she needed to fill that void. Now, not too long ago, my family was going through a difficult season, and I I wrestled with sharing because it's hard for me to share this. And so 
even just today, I was wrestling with it and saying, you know, Lord, I don't know what of this I want to share as a testimony. And then something that Pastor Amy said let me know that it was okay to share. Because I wanted to share with you a little bit about my recent journey with being healed from colorectal cancer. And it's hard for me to talk about still because it's still a little fresh. But in my treatments, one day I received a package from a friend in Virginia. And the note inside said, I have it on good authority that this is the one thing that will get rid of the horrible taste in your mouth when you're going through chemotherapy. And it was lemon drops. So when Pastor Amy just said that about lemon drops, I said, okay, Lord, it's okay. I can share. (laughs) I can share. But we were going through a a difficult season as a family before that. And the reason I tell you that is because it would be great if we just had one thing at a time, right? Sometimes I just want one thing at a time, but you all know it doesn't always happen that way. It's one thing on top of another on top of another. So we were just coming out of a difficult season as a family when out of nowhere I had a pain in my lower back that went to the doctor and turned out to be a two-inch mass that they found that I didn't have any of the other symptoms. But there it was. So here we were in this place and you start thinking, Have we seen enough specialists? Have we gotten enough information? Have we talked to enough people? Have we gone to the right places? Have we talked to the right doctors? And all of this stuff starts swimming around in my head right from the beginning. And I received an email from a friend. And in the email, it said something that really was a little strange to me. It said, don't feel like you need to talk about this right away. And as a minister, that's a strange thing because I'm thinking, I'm going to, I talk for a living. (laughs) I'm going to talk about it. But then I realized I needed to take a step back because if I had not taken time to realize what was going to fill the void, then I would have gone into all this information and trying to get things, trying to get heaping portions piled on my plate over and over and over to figure it out, and I would have ended up drowning in it because it wasn't going to satisfy. And she knew what I was about to walk through, and she knew that I needed to make sure that I had the right portion in place and have that void filled before I went forward, or it was not going to be pretty. So the Lord had spoken to her and shared with her that she needed to tell me that. So we took a step back. We realized that the portion we needed at that moment was God's peace. We needed peace over the situation. Psalm 62 and 1 says, I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. So Hannah needed to know, was God the portion that was going to fill her void? Let's go on in Hannah's story and read verse 6. 
verse 6 says this, And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Let's pause right there because remember the first thing we learned is that God wants to be our portion when we feel like we don't have enough. But right now, we also learn that God wants to be our portion when we feel like we're not enough. When we feel like we're not enough. Now, the other wife, Penina, it says every year when they went to the temple to celebrate, she would say mean things to Hannah every year. But I don't want this to be, this isn't a Penina bashing session, because the point of the story is that the enemy wants to discourage us, and words discourage us. And when we're already in a place of vulnerability, it doesn't have to be mean words. We can misinterpret words. We can say words ourselves that discourage us. I mentioned to you before that when we were going through a difficult family situation, I saw a post on Facebook, and I was already in a stressful situation. And it was a post, and maybe you've seen something like it. It was something about that families today should put down their cell phones when they eat dinner together. They should put down their cell phones. And the person who put the post said, you know, that would solve all of our problems if we would just put down our cell phones when we eat dinner together. But you know what I heard here in my mind? Well, my family puts down their cell phones, so why do we still struggle? Because those words made me think that I was not enough. And words will do that to us. Maybe that we don't do enough. Or that I'm not good enough. Or that I'm not strong enough. So the antidote to that is for us to constantly remind ourselves what God's word says about it. Sometimes if you're facing a battle, it's going to be every moment of every day until we get it in here. Because it goes from here to our heart, and from our heart, it goes into our spirit. And we've got to get it here in order for it to stick. And what's so amazing about the way God works is when my friend sent me that email, and she had been through a similar situation, so she understood that people would say things well-meaning, but my mind was going to hear something else. Because everybody, when they find out that you are battling the C word, and I, I am very careful about the way I talk about it, because I like to think about it this way. Me and the Holy Spirit, we're having a party up in here, and cancer wasn't invited to the party. And it snuck in, right, and tried to crash the party, but when I discovered it was there, I get to kick it out. So this is the way, this is what I tell myself because that helps me. But people will try to tell you, well-meaning, everybody they've ever known that had it, what doctor they saw, the outcome, whether good or bad, and she knew 
that if I wasn't holding on to God's word and what God's word said about it, that would mess with my mind. And she was right. So thankfully, we had taken a step back. I had made a journal of scriptures. And when people would say things or when I would see things, I'm telling you, every headache, where do you think my mind wanted to go? Every leg cramp, every stomach ache, what if? And so I had to immediately say, I'm healed, I'm well, I'm whole. I mean, I was saying it over and over again, sometimes all day, every day. It was a battle. But because I was equipped and prepared and had made God that portion, then I didn't have this void that was going to be filled up with all these other things. So, Hannah has Penina provoking her. And it says that Hannah was downhearted that she wouldn't even eat. So, we know that she had let those words affect her. But she felt like she didn't deserve what was being put on her plate. Because that's what happens to us when we start to think we are not enough, we're not strong enough, we're not good enough. We think that we don't deserve the blessing. We don't deserve God's love. We don't deserve the healing. But I have good news today. Because guess what? We don't. (laughs) We don't. We don't deserve it. But in God's economy, it doesn't matter. We don't have to deserve it to receive it. That's why he sent his son Jesus for us, because we were undeserving. But in all of his grace and mercy, he showers all of that onto us. It doesn't matter if we've messed up. It doesn't matter if we deserve forgiveness or not. He gives it willingly, never-ending faithful love. He pours out on us. So this is something that Hannah needed to know. So let's look at verses 8 and 9 and see if Hannah chose to cling to what God's word said. Verse 8 says, Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. Let's pause there because right there we see the third thing that we can learn from Hannah. And that is this. God wants to be our portion when we are ready to say enough is enough. Enough is enough. Now it says that they're eating and Hannah stood up. And I like to think, I like to envision that and think that at that moment she was tired of listening to what Penina had to say. And I kind of imagine maybe she gave her one of these, you know what I'm saying, done with you. And I love that thought of being so strong in the power of the Holy Spirit that I can say, devil, I'm not listening anymore. It's time for me to stand up. How many of you know changing your posture will change your perspective? Because we can let those things beat us down. And sometimes it is time for us to get on our knees 
before the Lord. But sometimes if we have let that discouragement beat us down, it is time to stand up. And I've been practicing that, so I've gotten pretty good at the standing up part. But what I don't get right sometimes is what happens after that. Because I stand up, and then I want to go tell my husband all about it. You know, give him this. And he's thinking, I didn't even have anything to do with it. (laughs) But he gets to hear it all. Or maybe I stand up and I go to the guilty person because I need to confront her about it. Or maybe I stand up and I go find me some people to stand with me. But Hannah got it right. Hannah went straight to the Lord. She went into the temple and she cried out to the Lord. This is the point where she realized that she needed God to be her portion. And this is also where she boldly asked God for what she wanted most, which was the baby. But I love what the message version says when she goes in and starts praying to him. And some of us may know the story that she was praying. And, you know, Eli the priest thought that she had been drinking because she was praying so strongly. But when she started praying in the message version, it says she started her prayer with this. Oh, God of the angel armies. And that, to me, speaks power. I want to start all my prayers like that. Oh, God of the angel armies, if you will hear my cry and grant my petition, I will give this boy over to you every day of his life. Oh, God of the angel armies. I want you to remember that tonight. But when Eli spoke to her, she, he, she told him how she was feeling. And in one version, she says, I'm praying out of my anguish and resentment. Resentment. She confessed that she was feeling resentment. Who was she feeling resentment to? Probably Penina and all the other ladies who she felt like had something that she didn't have. Remember, it's a void. It's something that's missing from her life. You know, I mentioned before that sometimes it's one thing on top of another on top of another. And that seemed to be happening for us as we were going through treatments and things. I mean, it just was one thing after the next. And I would go in, I would go for a procedure or something. One day I went in at the beginning of our, you know, when we decided what path we were going to follow. And there's many different paths and everybody's journey is unique. But I had gotten a pick line put in that day for treatments. And of course they told me go home and rest tonight. And of course at 10 o'clock at night we get a call that our child had been in a car accident. And... There was other cars involved. There was a a drunk driver involved. And thank the Lord, he was okay. But so much for going home and putting your feet up in the recliner and relaxing because it just seemed to be one thing after another. And all of those things piled on top of each other will wear us smooth out if we don't determine to make God our portion at that time. Sometimes he needs to be our strength because I don't like to give the enemy a lot of credit. So I don't like to talk about him a lot, but I think it's important that we know how he works. And his job is to throw things in our path, you know, just keep throwing things in our path. 
That's how he works. But let me tell you how God works. While the enemy is throwing things every step of the way, trying to get us to trip up, God is telling us, I will be with you every step of the way. Just watch for me. There was one morning when my husband, who I'm determined now is Superman because through all of this, he was traveling to Longview to preach. He was holding down his demanding full-time job. He was taking care of all of my needs, never missed a doctor's appointment. But one day it just got to be so overwhelming. It was too much. And I had given into fear and it was a Sunday morning and I was afraid. I was just afraid. I didn't want him to leave. I was crying. I had mouth sores. I was hurting. I was afraid to swallow. I was afraid I was going to choke. Um, it was just a horrible fear that had come over me. And that's a little hard to admit to yourself when your husband's about to go preach. <laughs> and he doesn't want to leave because he sees me crying. And remember, I told you he doesn't like to see me upset. So it was, now that I look back, oh, God was in it so much. But I can just smile because he said, somebody in this room knows the story I'm going to tell. He said, I'm calling Melissa. I'm just going to call Melissa. Well, Melissa's sitting right there. And Melissa goes to church in Lindale. And I said, through my tears, that's not going to do any good. Because I knew Melissa is one of the most faithful people I know. And she works in children's church at her church. And she's always there. So I knew she was going to be at church. So he said, I don't care. I'm calling anyway. I'm going to take a chance. I'm calling anyway. Because we were thinking that she could come sit with me while he went to church. She lives close enough that she could come sit with me because our church is an hour away. So he called, and guess who was home? That's right. Melissa was home because she had already made plans to stay home that day for something else. And she came, and she kept me talking, and she helped me to feel at ease because that's the way God works. He says, I will be with you every step of the way. I will provide. Just trust me to be your portion. So at this point, Hannah had gone to the Lord, and she needed to learn to trust him to be her portion. Let's look at verses 17 and 18, because after she prayed, this is where Eli responds to her. Verse 17 says, Eli answered, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. She ate something. Remember, she wasn't eating before. She went from resentful to zesty. Because she had the right portion in place to fill the void. So Hannah went home with Elkanah, and she did conceive. And when the boy Samuel was weaned, she determined that she was going to take him back to dedicate him at the temple. And that brings us to our fourth thing that we can learn from Hannah's life, that God wants to be our portion when it's time for us to let go of our idea of enough. 
what I think the outcome should be, my agenda, control over every little detail. It's too early for me to be stepping on some toes. Needing to know why God is doing it this way or that, sometimes that's the hardest part. Because we have an idea of what we think the answer should be, what we think the the prayer answer should be, and why, and how he needs to do it, and how it's going to work out. But when God works all of those things in our circumstances, he has more in mind than just what we have. It always, always points back to him. He always has a reason, and when we're ready to give him our enough, he will tell us, I have so much more than enough, more than you could ever imagine. So I'll skip to the good part. There's so many ways that God blessed us in our journey and showed us that we could continue to trust him, that he needed to be our strength, that he needed to be our peace, that he needed to be our joy in those difficult times. And when we came through the most difficult parts of the journey where our church knew what we were going through and some of our closest friends, but not many other people knew, I went back to the doctor and I had gone through the treatments and then went to the surgeon and the plan was that we would have surgery I say we because I feel like my husband went through every step with me. So when I say we, that's what I mean. But I went to the doctor and I had a procedure, just an exploratory surgery to look and see how the treatments worked or if they worked. And then you have to wait two weeks to go back to see the doctor. And when we went back to him, he said, you know, when I looked in there, I didn't like what I saw. That was his first words. I didn't like what I saw. He said, but I did several deep biopsies, and they all came back benign. There were no cancer cells present. And he seemed shocked, and my husband and I were high-fiving. Yes, thank you, Lord. And we were so excited, and the doctor does this. Now, wait a minute. It didn't look good. And I thought about that scripture because to me that was confusing. I thought, well, he just told me there's no cancer cells present. And I thought about that scripture, we walk by faith and not by sight. To us, that becomes a way of life. And I went home and I looked up that scripture, 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, and the New Living Translation version says, we live by believing, not by seeing. And so it didn't matter what he saw. We needed to continue to stand on what we knew to be true. So the journey wasn't over. It still isn't. I am cancer-free. But we continue. Yes, thank you, Lord. We continue to live by that. We live by believing and not by seeing. Because I am convinced that the enough that God wanted for me 
wasn't just the healing. I mean, I praise God for the healing. And to me, of course, that would have been more than enough. But what God wanted was for me to know that I needed to trust him to be my portion every step of the way and need to continue to, and he needed to teach me that. And that was the most important thing. I'll go ahead and share with you this other little thing that happened. At that point, the surgeon said, because it didn't look good, we needed to decide whether or not we wanted to go ahead and have surgery, take everything out, or wait three months and go back and visit him again and see what happened. So we decided, just us and Jesus decided that we would wait three months. We just felt like that was the plan that we needed to follow. So we went back to the doctor in three months, and he looked again, and this time, the first words out of his mouth, and I wrote them down so I would never forget, he said, I don't know what you've been doing, but it looks a thousand times better than the last time you were here. A thousand times, and immediately, you know how God will bring back to your remembrance something? Immediately, I remembered a conversation I'd had with one of the precious nurses that had been with me since the beginning. And at the beginning, I had asked her, what's it going to be like for me after? Because I didn't know a lot about treatments and all that stuff. I said, what's it going to be like for me? And she said, well, you'll never get back to 100%. You'll probably... You know, you can make it to like 85% of your normal. And I remember thinking in that moment, I don't want to settle for 85%. I want 100%. And I let God be my portion. And God said 1,000%. That's tenfold, 100%. So what am I trying to say with all of this? When Hannah got her baby, it wasn't just about the baby. God had so much more planned. But we have to be willing to let him be our portion and give up our idea of what enough is. Because he always knows exactly what we need when we need it. And if we will allow him to be that, he will give us so much more. Now, in Hannah's story... She did dedicate Samuel at the temple, which I'm sure was a painful thing to do. But at that time, she had no idea what God had planned for Samuel. She didn't know that he would one day grow up and anoint the boy David to be king over Israel. And that one day, Jesus Christ would be born from the lineage of David. She didn't know any of that. But when we face circumstances, one on top of another, we can choose to look for other things to fill the void, or we can allow God to be that portion. Because when we allow God to be the portion, he works all those things together for good. The lemon icebox pie. So I want to ask you tonight, as we close, I want you to think about this. What is the portion 
that you need God to be for you today? Is there something that you're going into and you've started to go into it in your own strength and you've caught yourself giving into worry and frustration and doubt and maybe you need to take a step back and make sure that you're letting God be your peace? Maybe you're getting ready to go into a battle and you're getting weary and you need God to be your strength. Maybe his strength is your portion today. Or maybe all of this going on in the world has just gotten to you and gotten discouraged, and you need that portion to be joy today. You need God to be your joy. Whatever it is, God wants to be that for us, and I want us to tonight allow him to do that. Would you stand with me? And I am going to pray, and I'm going to pray with those who are watching on Facebook Live, and I'm going to pray with those of us here. And while I'm praying, if you would like to come down to the front, if you would like prayer, I want you to do that. If there's something specific in your mind that you know that you need God to be for you today, I want you to come down to the front. Now, as I pray, you can make your way down. And if you don't feel comfortable, that's fine. We can spread out around the front. And if I come down to pray for you, I just want you to know I've, I've got a mask so that I can come pray for you because I didn't want to have to stand too far back. I want you to hear, hear me. So as we're praying, if you'll come down, not to worry. I've got my mask, and I'll come down and pray for you. But let's think about that as we're going into our closing prayer. What is it that I need God to be for me today? What is that key portion that I've been missing? He wants to reveal that to us tonight. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We know, Lord God, that sometimes we can get busy throwing ingredient after ingredient after ingredient, and things just keep coming, and we can't stop it, Heavenly Father, and we forget to pause and let you be that key ingredient that is going to bring out the best, no matter what the circumstances are. We know, Heavenly Father, that you can't take, sometimes you don't want to take those away, because you have growth in mind. You have us in mind. And Heavenly Father, you want what's best for us. Lord God, we pray and we ask that you will come into our lives today, come into our hearts, reveal, Heavenly Father, what it is that we need, that we've been missing. Heavenly Father, some of us in this room are feeling a void tonight. Lord God, we need your peace. Heavenly Father, we need your strength. We need hope, Lord God. We need joy. And Heavenly Father, it's been hard lately, but we know when we make you our portion, you can get us through anything and bring us out on the other side, giving us more than we could ever imagine from it. Heavenly Father, those that are watching at home, I pray right now for a special touch, Lord God that you would speak to them in a special way, Heavenly Father. And that if they have a need, Lord God, that they know that they can contact Heavenly Father. No, they don't need to leave a detail. They can just leave a comment that says, pray for me. And the, the people of this church will pray. Lord God, we know that as we continue through this conference, Father, that your portion will allow us 
to discover that zest-filled life that you have planned. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord.